Yeah.
carry my sins far away. Rising, He justifies freely forever. One day He's coming, oh glorious day, oh glorious day. Glorious day, oh glorious day. Good morning. Happy Easter. So glad that you've chosen to join us this morning. I, I want to start by just saying thank you to anyone that was able to join us on Friday night. We know that picture was a little dark. Uh, the weather uh, came and we had to wait. And so uh, it kind of delayed our, our uh, videoing of, of that service. But uh, thank you for joining us for that. We're excited. But man, we are excited about today and everything that today represents for our Christian faith. If you would, this morning, while you're watching, take a moment and connect with us. There are so many opportunities. If you're watching this at bereachristianchurch.online.church, then on the right-hand side of your screen, there's a place you can jump in and chat with us right now as you're watching. Please do that. Uh, there's opportunities for us to interact with you during the service. There's a prayer button. You can click that button, and somebody will ho a host will, will jump in right away and begin a prayer chat with you. Uh, there's even some other options that we'll talk about later on. There's a giving option that will pop up in that live feed. Uh, there's even an option to make a decision. And so we'll have an opportunity for that to come later on. But please use that resource. There's a, a way, if you'd like to, you can use the chat there, or you can hop up in the upper left-hand corner of the screen, and you can actually create an account. So the next time you log back in, um, you've got your same username and password and all those things, and you can live chat with folks and be a part of, of what's going on, uh, get notifications as we post services and, and things like that. So please continue to join us that way. It's so exciting to do that. You can also reach out on our website. All of our email addresses, things are there. There as well. We want to hear from you. Uh, we don't get to hear from all of you. I, I don't get to call everybody during the week, and so it's a great way for us to follow up. Just know that you're out there to hear the needs that might exist in your life, specific prayer requests, whatever is happening. So please don't hesitate to jump in and utilize the technology for that purpose. Oh man, praise God. It is Easter. I'm so excited. I always loved Easter as a kid, even though I didn't like candy. I always loved Easter as a kid for lots of different reasons, but this is resurrection morning. It is the date that we celebrate our King, the Savior of the world, coming back to life. It's an incredible thing. He overcame the power of sin and death, and the best part is nobody was expecting it. But today is a little weird. I got to be honest with you. Today, gathered to, to have this service, to, to preach the gospel, the incredible good news of Christ's resurrection. And literally, there is nobody here. Nobody expected this to happen. Nobody expected churches to be empty across the United States. This is the, the first time in the history of the United States where we've gathered for an Easter service with no one in the building. Churches across the world right now are empty on this day I just want you to think about this for a moment. What do you think God thinks about this moment in history? What's he pondering? 
What's he thinking about us as we worship in these new ways? You see, God designed us to be in community with one another. Church buildings across the world are empty. He put in a place for us to gather weekly or more often to celebrate him, to worship him. And now for a brief season, the broken world that we live in has put on hold God's design. Here's the thing. Don't think for a moment that God was caught off guard. Do you realize that God always knew from all eternity past that on Sunday, April 12th, the year 2020, churches across the world would be empty on Easter Sunday. He completely knew this was coming. He knew that you and I would not be able to go to our typical houses of worship and worship like we normally do for Easter. But he also knew He knew instead that you and I would be gathering in our house to worship this Easter. I want you to think about that. He knew you would have an intimate opportunity to gather with your spouse, with your kids, maybe some other very close loved ones and share the good news of Jesus Christ together. Maybe for the first time you've always relied on the church to do this for you. And here you are now, sitting with them, intimately involved in teaching, relaying, answering questions about this story as we go through it, how precious this must be in the sight of God. We pray that you will make the most of this opportunity that God has given each and every one of us to slow things down and focus on the most important things in this world. First and foremost, on God himself and the resurrection of his son, Jesus. Secondly, on your family, sharing the love and good news of Jesus with each and every one of them. And third, focus on the lost and dying world that exists all around us. The neighbors, the friends, the coworkers that do not know Jesus yet. The events that we're celebrating on this day are the only thing in this world that could ever give those individuals hope especially in this moment in human history as well as the hope for all eternity that we have in our life through Christ if you are listening today you can have an eternity free of pain free of suffering free of the confusion and chaos free of the loss that we've all sustained and will sustain in the future In this world. If you are listening today and you've never heard about this before, right now, right in this very moment, you have full access to that exact same freedom. You can have the power of God within you. You can have what you need through the power of Christ to be set free from whatever is holding you back in this world. And then ultimately to share this incredible event and this great news with everyone that you know. You just can't do it in person quite yet. Let's pray for that opportunity. Father God, as we dive into your word today, as we study, as we learn, as we sing, as we worship through all of those means, may we remember to focus on the most important things today. You, your son, and what he did for us in that resurrection morning. Father, our family who we hold so dear that we share your love and your compassion and your mercy and your incredible story with them so that they too may become believers like we are one day. And Father, the lost and dying world around us right now, that seems so hopeless in moments like these. May we be the ones, may you use us to go and carry that good news to every person we know this 
season. Father, those are what matter most. May we take this simplified time together. Remember that. And then when we're through meeting, carrying that banner out to this lost and dying world. Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, here's a cool thing. Right after this service today, you got all day and everybody's at home. You can take this link. You can send it to anybody you need to, to send it to that needs to hear this message. You can watch it again with them. You can text them back and forth as they're watching it. Be willing to answer questions. All kinds of ways to connect with people. Don't lose that moment. We want to remind you as well that our children's ministry, uh, McKenna, has a great link set up right here on our homepage down below, uh, the YouTube link to the video that you can go to. It's got great a great lesson for today for the family to do. I'm looking forward to doing it with my family later on today. Uh, we don't have anywhere to go, and so we get to stay at home, and we get to share in that lesson together, and I am really excited. Please don't miss that moment. If you've got friends that have children and don't have access to things like this, please share that link with them. Uh, this is meant for anyone, not just people from Berea. We, we don't care who uses it. Everyone can. Hopefully you notice that beginning on Friday night, we started to incorporate some small elements of worship through what we're doing on, uh, in our live streaming things, in our video presentations. And so um, that's going to vary week to week, and we're going to continue to experiment with new technology as we do that. And so uh, bear with us. We're doing the best we can again. But we thought it would be awesome to share some of our people with all of you, uh, to see some more familiar faces as time goes on. Speaking of familiar faces, did anybody else love that opening video? Just getting to see folks that we know and love, uh, just sharing the simple hello, good morning, happy Easter greetings with us. That was incredible. Watch for us to do some more things like that in the future. And we want more of you to participate in that uh, moving out. It is just great. It, it helps the family when you get to see those familiar faces of the friends that you're used to seeing just here at the building. So next time we do it, we want as many people to participate in that as we can. My daughter Kaylee put that video together. She did an awesome job. And so uh, please don't miss that opportunity the next time that rolls around. As we talk about this idea of worship, I want you to know a couple things. This isn't a concert. It's not a show. It's a time for you to just engage with that. At times, we may be able to put lyrics up that go with some of those songs. At times, they'll just be instrumentals, maybe of songs that you know from a long, long time ago. Maybe they'll be newer songs, and they'll be vocalists singing the songs, and so you can begin to learn the songs that way. So we're going to vary those things. Um, just, just bear with us. Enjoy those moments. Take a moment to pause and worship with your family. Our prayer is that your opportunity just continues to grow. We just keep learning new ways to worship our King and our Creator. And if you're new and you're watching a video like this and you're seeing these songs and you're like, what is this about? This is really weird, singing to something I don't understand. Here's what we want you to do. Just listen. Listen to the words of the song. Most of the songs that we will sing in praise of our God tell you exactly what it is we are praising about him. Look it up, find the song, read the lyrics elsewhere, but just listen. Don't be expected to do anything at this point in your relationship. Our prayer is that ultimately you come to know Jesus in the same way we have and you long to praise him as we do. But there's no rush for you to get to that point in time.
hope you enjoyed that bumper video. It meant a lot to me in this time that we're going through right now. It was a special thing that, that uh, God showed me this week to share with you today as we talk about this nobody, this nobody. We began this series talking about the famous nobodies that God has used throughout history to accomplish his purposes, to be his representatives in this world. From a man named Joseph who was simply a very annoying little brother who God ultimately used to save most of the known world from famine. Included in that known world was this small little family that had been promised to a man named Abraham and then Isaac and now Jacob, Joseph's father, which ultimately becomes the nation of Israel through which we get our Savior Jesus, ultimately, to Moses, who was chosen by God to deliver his people. And while Moses is remembered as one of the pillars of our faith at the time, Moses didn't think a whole lot of himself. He couldn't figure out why God would choose him, a nobody, and why on earth would Pharaoh ever listen to a guy like Moses? While Moses is this huge pillar of faith, he asked the question, who am I that you should use me, God? God uses prophets like Gideon, who when God asked and told him he was a mighty warrior, Gideon said, hey, uh, my tribe is the weakest of all in the tribe of Manasseh. And oh, by the way, God, I'm the weakest in my own clan. How could God use me? God continues to do that. King David, the runt of the litter, went on to become the most powerful king, the greatest king that Israel ever even knew. And the list goes on and on and on until the time of Jesus' coming. We see Jesus choosing nobodies from all around him to be his closest followers. He spent most of the three years of his ministry with the outcasts, with the sick, with the sinners. One of my favorite quotes of all of Jesus' quotes comes as he addresses this issue. People are asking, Jesus, why are you hanging out with these people? And Jesus simply says, well, here's why. It's, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, is it? So I go to the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but call the sinners, Mark 2, 17. Jesus is still here for the sick, literally, physically sick in this time that we're living. And I want you to consider how many of those that have been infected by this surprise virus or by any other disease that might stricken people right now in our culture, how many of these people do not know Jesus yet? My prayer is, and hopefully yours as well, that during times of crisis like these, but every day, that he will use whoever is in contact with these sick individuals, whether it's the doctors, the nurses, the custodians, pastors that come in to visit, hospital, clergy that stop by, or even the internet. Isn't it crazy to think that God could use this little sermon from a little church in Brazil, Indiana, to possibly reach somebody right now in a hospital room that's dealing with this virus and possibly teach them, preach to them, share with them the good news of Jesus, maybe for the first time in their life. It's incredible. God can use anyone, any tool and any technology to reach people that are lost. And it's exciting to be a part of, isn't it? I hope you think so. I know I do. But we know that they're more than just the physically Sick. Jesus came for those that seemed to have it all together, seemed to have everything in the eyes of the world. These times that we're in right now have kind of been an equalizer of sorts, haven't they? They've kind of put us all in the same boat. Everybody's playing by the same rules, regardless of your income 
or your address or your assets. We're all stuck at home. We're all staying at home. This disease doesn't choose favorites. We're all equals in the eyes of God and in the eyes of this disease. Many people have been humbled in ways that they never saw coming, haven't they? But in times like these, something strange begins to happen. People begin to sense God's presence. Now, please understand the Holy Spirit is always present. But it's in times like these, in times of despair, in times of tragedy, in times of loss, that the comforter, Jesus promised he would send the comforter, that the comforter all of a sudden becomes, we become aware of his presence in our lives, maybe for the first time time. He moves into the lives of those that are affected and can begin to provide a peace that they'd never sensed before. God can use his spirit within you and I to ease the tensions, the fears, the anxiety of the people around us. It's an incredible thing. If you are listening today and you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have something that a majority of the people in this world do not have, and it's time. It's time to share that something with them. Last week, we celebrated Palm Sunday. As Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem for the very final time, it appears that this nobody from Nazareth has all of a sudden become somebody powerful. He's finally made a name for himself, and the people are on board, so much so that the religious leaders are now worried that Jesus has accumulated a following, and what might he do next? Everyone, everyone, including Jesus' closest followers, thought that this was the beginning. Whether it was going to be successful or not, that was depending on who was evaluating. But for his followers, this was the beginning of his kingdom. This was the beginning of the rebellion. This was the beginning of what they had all been longing for and hoped to be along for the ride with him. Well, it was the beginning. It was the beginning of the end of Jesus' life here on earth. Where this nobody who appears to have made it suddenly becomes this person of power and influence on this triumphant entry into Israel. In just a few days, he returns to being a nobody. A failure in the eyes of the world, at least for three days. Let's fast forward then from the triumphant entry to that upper room with the disciples on that Thursday night where Jesus gathers his disciples all together for the final time. And during this gathering, he shares with those that are closest to him exactly what has to happen. He shares with them that they will soon, he will soon be betrayed, that he will soon be broken and his blood will be shed. The remarks confuse those that are with him. They don't understand. They think Jesus was coming into his power, into his reign as king, that he was ready to take over, and they were ready to enjoy every moment of it right along his side. Instead, their king Jesus humbles himself, bows before each and every one of them, and washes their feet. They don't understand. They don't understand what's going on during this evening that ultimately crushed every single one of them, as one of their very own led the authorities to the feet of Jesus to betray him with a kiss. They all ran away as their king was led away in chains. 
for committing absolutely no crime whatsoever. Jesus was abandoned by everyone. Even the great Peter denied ever even knowing Jesus. Jesus, a nobody in the eyes of the world, now had nobody by his side. His greatest time of need was now here, and there was nobody to comfort him, nobody to stand up for him. He is all alone. Now, right now, in this time that we live, and probably for other people at other times as well, can I just share with you this understanding? If you have ever felt alone, if you have ever been rejected, if you've ever been cast aside by even those that are the closest people to you in your lives, do you understand, you have to understand that Jesus knows exactly how you feel. He felt the exact same way. Rest in him. Take comfort in him. He too was abandoned by every one. He cares and he will never abandon nor forsake you. He will never leave you all alone. In times like these, we need a savior. As Jesus was abandoned, nobody knew what was about to happen to him. Jesus proceeds through that series of illegal trials on that Thursday night into early Friday morning. He's left to his own defense, of which he gives none whatsoever. He's beaten. He's mocked. And Luke records in chapter 22, beginning in verse 66, that the morning of his death, the council of elders of the people, both the chief priests and the teachers of the law met together, and Jesus was led before them. If you are the Messiah, they said, tell us. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you won't believe me. And if I asked you, you would not answer. But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of the mighty God. They all ask, are you the Son of God then? <laughs> he replied, yes, I am. And they said, well, why do we need any more testimony? We've heard it from his own lips. Even when telling the truth, Jesus was rejected. Pilate asked Jesus, hey, are you indeed the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, well, it is as you say. Pilate wants nothing to do with this nobody. Nobody that's done anything worthy of this form of execution. But the religious leaders persist and press on toward the crucifixion. Have you ever thought about the religious leaders and what they've worked themselves into at this moment in time? Where it's time to make this decision for Jesus? There were really only two choices. With everything they knew about Jesus, they knew his parents, they knew his family, they knew his upbringing, they knew what they had heard he had said and done. They had all of that to put together and they're left with only two possibilities. Either A, Jesus was in fact a nobody from nowhere and he was going nowhere, never going to amount to anything whatsoever at all. To them, that had kind of been proven because now he was left all alone. Everyone had abandon him. But they made an interesting observation. <laughs> they had to make some type of example of him because this Jesus had gotten a little too close to things. His, his message was a little too personal. His attacks on them were kind of harsh, to be honest. And they run a risk here of if they don't do something to prove, hey, you can't do this to us, then what's going to happen to the people? Is somebody else going to rise up? Is what he left for them enough for them to possibly turn away from these people's leadership and, oh, maybe turn, say, to 
God, they had to make an example of him, didn't they? They didn't have a choice. They kind of backed themselves into a corner. Of course, the second option, well, this was a little more serious. If, what if Jesus was telling the truth? What if he was exactly who he said he was? Now, the stakes are pretty high. If you think about the case here, now God himself would be holding these religious leaders responsible for killing the Messiah, the awaited one, the Son of God. I don't think they wanted that on their record, but that was the big picture. That was the long game. And they really weren't thinking about that at this moment in time. They were only thinking in the moment. Their focus was too narrow. Their focus was what, on what seemed to be expedient, what seemed to serve their interests the best at that time, to preserve their power and preserve their influence so they could easily justify it. As I said, he was all alone. Surely if he was the son of God, he would have people supporting him. Maybe even God himself would come down, send an army of angels and support him in this moment, right? The leaders, they worked the crowd up into such a frenzy that they wanted Jesus to be crucified so badly that they instead released an actual murderer, someone convicted of physical crimes against humanity, thus fulfilling the prophecy. He, Jesus, was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain like the one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Now that's from the prophet Isaiah 700 years before this moment in time where Jesus was in fact despised and rejected and called names. But his rejection, it wasn't quiet. It wasn't peaceful and it wasn't private. It was very, very public, full of hatred as the crowd shouted for him to be crucified. There he was, a nobody in the eyes of the world, left on a cross, abandoned by nearly everyone, only his mother and a few of his closest friends there to even witness his death. He was mocked, he was ridiculed, even while he hung there dying. The soldiers thought maybe they could at least make some money off the man's clothes, so they began to bargain, to, to barter, to gamble for his own attire. Luke records in chapter 23, beginning in verse 35, that the people stood watching and the rulers even made fun of him. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he is God's Messiah, if he is the chosen one, the soldiers came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And it gets worse. There was a written note above him proclaiming to everyone that passed by that this here, well, this is the king of the Jews. Look what we did to the king of the Jews. Even one of the men hanging beside him made fun of him. Hey, if you're the Messiah, why don't you save yourself? And hey, while you're at it, why don't you save us too? Nobody understood what? was happening. They were all looking for that powerful leader to come in and save the day. They were all looking for a military revolution, a political revolution, all things Jesus never claimed to offer, but things that were placed upon him because of his role as the Messiah of Israel. An example for us humans, we love to give those ancient Israelites a hard time, don't we? How could they possibly do such a thing to Jesus? I ask you, do we still fall prey to that same line of thinking today when it comes to our faith? Do we still only hear the things Jesus said that we actually want to hear? Do we still only abide by some of his teachings? Because others kind of get in our way. 
Do we still try to make things happen the way we believe they should rather than the way God wants them to happen? Rather than allowing God to rely on God to lead us, to guide us, to direct us? How about this? Do we get mad at God when things aren't going as they should be? When he doesn't do what we think he should do? Be honest. Right now, in the times we are going through, have any of us fell victim to these lines of thinking? I know I have. Things sometimes just don't happen as fast or in the way that we want, and we question God, and we ask God, and we are angry with God, just like these people. He's not the Messiah. They were expecting, and so many times we hold him to that same standard. Well, here's the problem. He's not the Messiah we're expecting. He's so much more than we could ever hope or dream for. The things, then things all of a sudden began to change as Jesus lie on that cross, hanging there, dying for us. He cried out, and in some of his last breath, Luke records some incredible supernatural events that begin to occur. It's midday, and yet the sun disappears, and darkness settles over the place. There's said that the curtain, the huge curtain, dividing the temple, dividing the Holy of Holies away from the people, ripped a huge curtain from top to bottom. Literally supernatural things begin to happen. Even the guards standing nearby where Jesus is dying since something was different. The crowd, the crowd begins to walk away they seem to be disappointed. Why? Were they hoping to see some incredible, miraculous event take place? Or were they just wanting the execution to take a little bit longer and be a little bit harder for those involved? But now here we are, and nobody, in the eyes of everyone, has died. He doesn't have a place to be buried. There's something Jesus said in his teachings as someone asked him, a potential follower was conversing with him, and Jesus said these words, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. He was homeless as a pastor. Now he was graveless. Thankfully, a man did give him some honor, a man named Joseph. We don't know why he showed this kindness to Jesus. We do know as a religious leader, he didn't support the execution of Jesus, but was he waiting and that he was still waiting for the kingdom of God to come? But did he believe that Jesus was still the Messiah? Did he believe that he could rise from the grave? Or was he just showing kindness to a man he greatly respected? We don't know. In the eyes of the world, this now seals the fate of this nobody, Jesus. His life ended by those that didn't want his claims to be true. His body ravaged so that no one could possibly claim that he was alive. His ministry, his claims, his legacy destroyed so that no one would ever be able to hold him up as a hero of any kind, let alone a Messiah or the Savior of the Jews, let alone the world. Jesus was a failure. <laughs> Except nobody expected no body. <laughs> the morning began innocently enough just a few women who were faithful to return to properly prepare Jesus' body for burial out of love and respect for the man they admired. Nobody expected what they found. 
Luke records in chapter 24, beginning in verse 2, they found the stone rolled away. But they, when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. There was no body. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men clothed that seemed to be glowing with lightning stood beside them. Asked them a simple question. In their fright, the women bowed down before them. And the men simply said, why are you looking for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's not here. There's no body. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners and be crucified. And on the third day, he will raise again. I love the way it says, then they remembered his words. Can you imagine? They're listening to these angels as who it was that were talking to them. And when the angels said that, all of a sudden a light bulb went off in their mind. And I guarantee they can remember the exact moment where Jesus spoke those words. They can remember where they were listening to him at, where they were standing, what they were doing. And they remember discounting them. They couldn't comprehend what Jesus was saying at that moment. They just dismissed them until this very moment how could they possibly understand in that moment how could they even consider such a thing happening to someone they loved respected and believed in so what did they do well they ran back it says to go tell the disciples keep in mind no one has seen jesus there is no hard evidence for anything that has been told them he is still missing there is no body no proof that jesus is alive just an empty grave and a couple of angels that nobody expected luke records what the disciples do when this news comes to them Of course, Mary is one of them, Mary's mother, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and the others. They tell the apostles, but what do the apostles do? They don't believe them. These are just crazy women. What's happening? There's no way. They've got to be out of their mind. This isn't true. There's no way it could be. It said that what they were saying sounded like nonsense. They were hyper. They were excited. It, It didn't make sense what they were telling them. And so Peter, it says, in the book of Luke, but we know from the book of John that he went with him as well, ran back to the tomb. They got to the tomb. Peter goes in. He sees the strips of linen lying there by himself, and he went away, and John went away wondering to themselves what exactly had happened. Why did Peter and John run to the tomb? Did they run out of disbelief? Did they run out of anger? Somebody stole the body of their Messiah, and they're going to go get him. Did they run maybe thinking just maybe that it was true? Even after their arrival in the examination of the tomb, John records that they left and those two believed, but there was still no body. It seems as if Mary Magdalene was the first one to actually have a conversation to encounter the physically resurrected Jesus. John records this in chapter 20, beginning in verse 15. And after that interaction, she again runs back to the disciples and tells them, I have seen the risen Savior. He is alive. He told me he's going to come and talk to you as well. But Jesus makes them wait a little bit longer. In the book of Luke, there's this crazy scene recorded. And I would have, I mean, I'm just imagining what it would have been like to be there in chapter 23 of Luke as these two men are walking home from Jerusalem back to their village of Emmaus, and they are just discussing everything that happened. And now they're discussing these rumors that his body is missing. And a stranger just walks up beside him and, hey, what are you guys talking about? Well, the things going on in Jerusalem. And I can just see Jesus kind of smile and say, oh, what's been happening in Jerusalem? And so they begin to recount this story of Jesus to Jesus. <laughs> 
And they get to the part where they're telling this, this stranger to them, hey, and his body is missing. Can you imagine the smirk on Jesus' face? Really? His body's not there? Wow, that is something, isn't it? And he just continues on with them. They invite him into their home as it's getting late. They serve him dinner, and during dinner, Jesus reveals himself to them. It says, oh, by the way, yeah, that guy, that's me. And yes, there's no body because here it is. Can you imagine being part of that scene? The next place Jesus shows up, then after that he leaves and he goes back and he shows up with the disciples. They're in a locked room, fearful of their life, wondering what's going on. And here is Jesus all of a sudden just sitting in the room. Do you blame them for not believing? They think it's a ghost. They say to him, Jesus says to them, why are you so troubled? Why do doubts arise in your mind. Guys, check it out. Here I am. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. It's really me. Touch them if you need to. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones as you see I have. When they seen this, he showed them his hands and his feet. They still didn't believe because in their joy and their amazement, they asked him, have you had anything to eat? Or Jesus asked them, sorry, do you guys have anything to eat? Now ghosts can't eat food. And so that would be a pretty good confirmation that it's really him. So they gave him some fish. He took it. He ate them. In the presence, and he said to them simply, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. The, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures, and he told them, This is what was written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of their sins will be preached in, the, in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are my witnesses to these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. But stay in the city, stay in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. Do you know what I'm praying for right now? in this season, in this moment, as we share the story of Jesus' resurrection once again. I'm praying that God opens your mind right now the same way he did the disciples. If you're watching or you're listening and you have not ever heard this account before or you did not know the links to which Jesus went to to save you, if you did not know that a nobody, that nobody, absolutely nobody, even his closest followers expected or ever dreamed that they would show up at the tomb and there would be no physical body and that Jesus would physically be back in their presence. If you didn't understand that, then I pray that God opens your mind to the scriptures in the same way he did the apostles, and at this moment, the Spirit moves in you and allows you to understand this and accept it as truth for yourself. The truth behind what happened, the truth that all of this happened for you. So that in this moment, on this day, you could hear this truth and you could come to know your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for the first time. Will you? This Easter, what an incredible day to proclaim for the first time in your life that I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and I want him as my Lord and Savior. There could never be a better time than right now. Has God opened the eyes of your heart in a way that you can understand and experience this today? Has he opened your eyes? Will you respond to him 
today. We actually have a feature right now that you can interact with, with us, where you can actually respond to that message. And you can come before Christ Jesus right now and accept him as your Lord and Savior. And as you do that, we want to reach out to you and follow up right now with you and explain more about that decision for Christ. He wants to save you today, right now. He doesn't want you to wait another second on this planet without having him as a part of your life, giving you all of the power we talked about earlier, the power to get through not just these times, but all times and all eternity as well. Respond today to that call upon your life. And if you're already a believer in Jesus, you are already one of his children, then please use this moment, this Easter, to recommit your life to him once again. You see, there was no body in that tomb. How should that reality affect how you're living today? How should that reality affect how you love others today, how you serve others today? How is this fact moving you personally in these times right now to reach out to those around us? that do not know the love of Jesus, that are not experiencing the peace of his presence in their life. Let's pray for decisions to be made. Father God, as we come before you this morning, each and every time we gather, we remember the sacrifice you made. We remember your resurrection from the grave, but there's something special about Easter. Your spirit seems to be extra prevalent at Easter. We know it's not. It's always here in the same way. Maybe we're just more sensitive to it, but we know that you can use any tool, any means to reach and save the lost. That was your mission. You came to seek and save the lost, and we want to carry that mission on. And so we preach the good news of your resurrection to this very day, and we pray that someone out there watching this, whether today or at any time in the future, something the Spirit can use in this to move them to a point of faith in you and accept your Son as their Lord and Savior. Father, whether they're far away or they're right here in our own community, we pray to hear from them. We pray to get an opportunity to connect with them. Maybe if they're in this community, to bring them into this space or into any water and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, how powerful that is. And if they're not in this area, maybe they can find a church nearby and go to them. Let them know they've accepted their Lord and Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and they can ask if, if they can be baptized at that church. What an incredible moment that would be. Father, for those of us that have made that decision maybe many, many, many years ago, may we use this moment to reflect, remember, and rededicate our lives to that mission that you've given us, to live for you, to die to self and live for you, to serve those in need, Father, to offer wisdom, to offer your spirit to those that do not know you yet, to lead people to the cross and from the cross to that empty tomb. Father, that's why we meet. That's why we gather. We pray that you can use us to do just that. And it's in Jesus Christ's resurrected name that I pray. Amen. Today we get a chance, like we do each Sunday, to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on that fateful Friday night. But we know the outcome. When he shared that with his disciples, they didn't know there was anything beyond the moment. They didn't even know that he literally was going to have these things happen that very next day. They certainly didn't know that three days later these things would come back to life. And that would be remembered not only his broken body, but then that that broken body was resurrected for them. And so today we get to take this remembering that his body was broken, 
But beyond that, beyond the grave, his body was resurrected so that we too could have a new life with him for all eternity. So if you have those emblems with you now, please take them with me. Remember the body that was broken for you as we take this bread. Remember this juice, his blood that was shed for us, for the forgiveness of our sins. never forget. Father, may we never forget. That's why you gave us those emblems so we would always remember that sacrifice. And today we celebrate the outcome of that sacrifice, your resurrection. And finally today, I just want to remind you and thank you so much, those of you that have continued to be able to be generous through the various giving means that we have available here at Berea. We have several of them that exist. Uh, you can continue to mail things here to the church. The address is, is on the screen here right beside me. Um, but it's kind of hard to see where it is um, here. If I put my hand behind it, it's a little better. Um, you can kind of see that there. But then on the other side of the screen, you have simple ways to do it. You can text any dollar amount to that number, 84321. The instructions are really simple, really simple. You can click give if you're watching on the BreaChristianChurch.online um, uh, yeah, that online.church website, then you can click the give link at the top of that website. Or actually, we might even be able to put uh, a link in the, the live chat feed. You can click there. That's awesome. Or, of course, you can go to our website and click Donate Now right there on the homepage. Um, thank you for your continued support. We are so excited uh, for the moment that God reopens this place and our opportunity to minister in whole new ways in this community. Send ideas into us. If you see needs right now in this community, send them to us so we can make contacts and begin to address some of those needs. We know they're out there but we're just not getting much information from you guys. And you're our hands and you're the feet of the church. Let us know and let us know how we can assist you in those things. All right, it's been a great morning. I tell you, it is weird. It is really weird. I, I've got my, my good friend Seth and my daughter Kaylee here and then a whole bunch of empty space. But it is incredible to know that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and who knows how God can use this, watching this with us this morning. The good news of Jesus, not just us, forget that. Across the world, churches all over the world are using technology like this to spread the good news of Jesus. And probably more than likely, there's more people in church Today, worshiping than there ever has been maybe in the history of the planet. Consider that this morning. Just consider that. As you worship with your family, you might be a part of the largest church service the world has ever known as everybody is worshiping from their homes, from their villages, from wherever they are across this planet today. Consider that. And I can't wait to be back with you next week. Who knows what might happen during the week, but next Sunday at 10 a.m. for sure. And I've got, I can go ahead and tell you where we're going I got an idea this last week. Uh, God kind of gave it to me. I, I went through lots of different things. Literally, I spent the whole week kind of uh, struggling over this and figuring out what direction God wanted us to go. And so after reading thoroughly through this book, I think this is where he wants us to be. God wants us to live our lives from now on prepared, prepared for whatever may come our way. And the letter that James wrote takes us through that in a very matter-of-fact, very precise way. So we're going to talk about following Jesus' lessons from the book of James. Live prepared is the motto, and it's an awesome way to study. We'll be able to follow along together. I'll tell you all about it next week. Thank you so much for joining us this week. The book of James, we start it next week. Thank you. Happy Easter to everyone. God bless you and your family. Let's pray for this country, the healing, not just of this country, but of this world and this time that we live in, and thank you, Jesus, 
for this day, your resurrection that we celebrate. Amen.